Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we push a child out of the way so we can ride Rambi on the DK carousel. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including rumors of Metroid of a Metroid Prime remake. And then on Thursday, we are celebrating our 500th episode and our five-year anniversary with Nintendo Pentologies. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I um I recently got new headphones. And they're the kind that, like, you put the, uh, like, plastic tips on and put them into your ear canal. You put them, like, deep into your in ear. there. And mm-hmm. um, I am sad to say my left ear is oddly shaped. My right ear, I found the perfect size. They It fits in there. It doesn't move at all. My left ear is just weird. There's no getting around it. There is no size that correctly fits my left ear. Okay, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's that it's odd or bad it in is any a way, Mark. It just means it is ear. <laughs> People, I'm ashamed of it. Doctors are frightened you by should it. Not, no, doctors are not. Look, doctors, as I as we all know, are only afraid of uh, people that can make you lose weight without dieting. Doctors are afraid of those people, <laughs> um, and and that's it. That's the that's, that's the only it. thing doctors are afraid of. Um, well, uh, Mark, I did, uh, as, as I started doing, uh, that, that welcome to the show, um, I did see you recoil a little bit. Maybe I was shouting a little too loud directly into the interior of your ear. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if, if, uh, if I've got to be honest with you, Patrick, if I, um, if my hearing is injured by hearing your dulcet tones do the intro (laughs) for our show, It'll have been well. You'll worth see me it. in court. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. <laughs> It'll be the end of this show because we'll be suing each other to the end of eternity. Oh, that's so good. Uh, well, it, I mean, it, it, look, uh, the end of the show, whatever. Technically, this is our 500th episode, but we are celebrating that milestone on Thursday, which is also our five-year anniversary, um, and that is like our true five-year anniversary, more or less to the date um, of doing this show. Uh, which, Mark, how do you, how how how, do, how does that make you feel? You've been doing this for five years. I love it. I you yeah. know we talk about it every week, but I love doing this show. I love interacting with our listeners. I love being able to hang out with you every week. I mean, we can save the love fest for Thursday, but I yeah, that's it, right. It makes me so happy that we've hit five years. Me too. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation on Thursday. In the meantime, if people want to try to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, they can certainly try. All they have to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there, but you know, that's not so bad. Then you get to play Untitled Goose Game or ignore it the same way you would have ignored my copy of Sonic Forces. The other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to the Nintendo Pals podcast for reviewing us on 
Chaser. We really appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who has left us a review, whether it's on the US Apple Podcast Store, whether it is on your podcatcher of choice. It makes a huge difference for helping people find the show. And it continues to grow this society that we call Nintendo Cartridge Society. So thank you very much. If you leave us a review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we will see it and we will give you a shout out on the show. If you review us anywhere else, like the Nintendo Pals reviewed us on Podchaser, let us know. We would love to give you a shout out. You can send us an email or just hit us up on Twitter um, or, I don't know, uh, uh, send a Skyrider over Patrick or my uh, house and we will make note of it. You know, I did see a like an airplane towing a banner the other day. Uh, maybe that was someone trying to alert me to the fact that they left a review on you know some uh, obscure podcast platform. Yeah, they just know that we live somewhere in LA, so they're just circling the skies. Right. I mean, I. I have expressed multiple times that I live in the Atwater Village. I've referred, <laughs> referred to where we record as the Atwater Studio. It's not that big of an area of Los Angeles. <laughs> it would be pretty easy to target me if you wanted to. Um, we we are in October now, which means it is Game & Watch month. We won't be talking about Game & Watch specifically or necessarily on Thursday, but the rest of our topic episodes through the uh, through the rest of the month will all be Game & Watch related. Um, I have loved seeing the various emails come through um, with people's experiences with Game & Watch, uh, your suggestions about things for us to cover. Um, it's all great it's all good if anyone if you have any more uh or, or if you have any memories that you have not sent in about game and watch email us nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com gmail. um we we've got some great things planned uh we've got some uh things not quite planned yet um but it's gonna be it's gonna be a good couple weeks of programming all about nintendo's first crack at portable hardware um, I'm very much looking forward to it, Mark. Me too. And you're right. And you're so right, Patrick, that even though we are not talking about Game & Watch specifically on Thursday, that does not make it any less Game & Watch month. It is Game & Watch month in our hearts. And listener, I hope it's Game & Watch month in your hearts. Let every day in October us think of something we are grateful for in Game & Watch. Let, let not a day go past <laughs> where you do not play a Game & Watch game. Yes. They're available... Uh, in very few places, it turns out. If you have a DS, a 3DS, you have access to many Game & Watch games, either through uh, the DSi where, um, like, uh, uh, versions of them that they released, or the Game & Watch Gallery 1, 2, or 3, which are all available there. If you have a Wii U, you can get, get the Game & Watch Gallery number 4, um, which was originally on Game Boy Advance. Um, but other than that, you're, you're kind of screwed. If you've got, like, a, a Switch, I don't know where you play Game & Watch games. Um, but that's the month that it is. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Actually, speaking of Game & Watch, let's just start there. Yeah, so I've been playing Game & Watch Gallery 1, which was released for the Game Boy and only features four of the Game & Watch games. But the thing that I'm enjoying about it is that it has the classic versions and then it also has like modern, like updated versions, which, um, you know, they changed the graphics. Everything is in basically like features Mario characters or characters from the Mario universe, including Donkey Kong. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm having fun with it. I was skeptical. I'm not going to lie to you, Patrick, when you were saying that you were like really digging them. Um, I was not sure I was going to, but they are, 
extremely made well made little mini games with um, yeah. that are a lot of fun to play. I'm especially enjoying the modern versions. I think they like improve the gameplay in a lot of ways. Um, well, and this this may be a a, a topic that we uh, tackle um, like for an episode of Game and Watch Month. Um, that there are like the updates don't just uh, change the uh, the characters and the graphics, um, but that they actually add like more dynamic changes. Like, um, is a uh, is fire in uh, the first Game and Watch yeah. gallery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that there are different characters that can fall at different speeds. Um, uh, like in Fire, that's really cool. In uh, Manhole, you can get characters moving in either direction and characters that run at different speeds. Um, so, like, there's so much more to take into consideration that the original Game & Watch couldn't do, and it makes the games, like, dynamically uh, more interesting, or at least uh, differently interesting, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, I'm I'm uh really enjoying that and I'm looking forward to digging into the other Game & Watch galleries that are on uh that are available on the 3DS eShop. Um I I am playing a lot of the Game & Watch Gallery n- number 4 um for the Game Boy Advance. I have a a GBA cart. Um so I've been playing it on my original Game Boy Advance, which is great. I think it's like the absolute best way um to be playing uh, Game Boy Advance games. I you know, I also love my my Wii U, but like being able to take that thing, you know, wherever I am and and, and play it there is great. Um I do have a bone to pick with Game & Watch Gallery 4. There are a lot of games on there. Uh, like I think it starts with like six or seven games um immediately unlocked and then there's another like that many games that you can unlock um, by earning stars with with high scores in in the other games. Um, But then on top of that, there's a handful, maybe another like five or six, maybe even as many as nine. It's a lot. Um, uh, Games that are only available in a classic mode, but you need to earn so many stars to get them. I'm talking over a hundred, right? And that's where you can play some of like the rarest um, Game & Watch games, like Climber, like um that uh that uh, like uh Mario's bombs away like um that safe cracker one um and I'm just like the games are on the cart right like they're there I just haven't earned enough points to unlock them and I find it so frustrating um cuz like I just want to play the games I know they're there I know they're there um and like if you have a game and watch collection I get that it makes sense to like the reward for earning high scores is you get access to more games. That is the best possible reward, but it's a reward so good. It feels like I shouldn't have to earn it. Do you know what I mean? I I also feel like, and this, this is silly, but it is how I feel where it's like, (laughs) but at this point, like that game came out so long ago, like at this point I should just be able to play it. Like I should just have access to it. There should be a cheat code. There should be something that just unlocks it. Yeah, don't make me find a Game Boy Advance Game Genie, because I will. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's somebody out there who's, like, uh, listing versions of this game, like the Game Boy Advance cards on eBay, where, like, they're all unlocked, yeah. Yeah, I mean... They, you have to get 160 stars. So to to get to earn one star, you have to get 200 points uh, in a game. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah, no thank so, you. So so to earn five stars for a specific game, you need to get a thousand points, right? In 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 any game, and you can do the A mode, the B mode, and then modern A and B. So like, if you get really good at a type of game, you have the potential to earn 20 stars in that game, right? 
you have to get 160 stars to unlock uh, Game & Watch Zelda. And I want to play Game & Watch Zelda, but it's I can't find eight Game & Watch games that I'm that proficient in to score 1,000 points? Yeah, that, I mean, that that's that's crazy. Because, okay, how does it work, like, once you earn the 160, does that is that like uh like uh currency that you spend to unlock? No. Or like so 160 is total. You need 160. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. still a ton. That's way more than I would it's, ever do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially because like, you know, when every time I like I start a new game and watch game, I uh you know, I score like six points and then I fail and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> but then like I, I start to like really dig into it and like get to the point where I can, you know, get somewhere in like uh, the 100 to 300 range um, when I'm like really in the zone. Um, and then every now and then I get great at a game and watch game um, and can score in like the, you know, high 800s. Um, I got, uh, I broke a thousand points in uh, Donkey Kong 3 the wow. other day. Um, which I felt really good about, um, and my high score in um, both uh, Donkey Kong Jr. and the original uh, Donkey Kong Game & Watch um, are also very high, and Mario Cement Factory. I'm, I'm very good at Mario Cement Factory. Um, but, uh, yeah, even, like, all of those, like, I can't get to, I can't get to a thousand, I just, I just can't do it. And, you know, you'll be playing, and, like, you'll break 800, and you're like, yes, that's four stars for that, uh, and then die somewhere. And then you're like, oh, my, that took me 45 minutes of playing <laughs> just this one round of this game. It's outrageous. They is should Don all be unlocked. Is Donkey Kong 3 for the Game & Watch? I cannot recall. Is that one the one? It, does it actually have – is that the one that features Stanley the Bugman? Or is Donkey Kong yeah. 3 actually, like, Donkey Kong Jr.? I can't remember how that worked out. No, Donkey Kong Jr. is like Donkey Kong Jr., sort of. Uh, and Donkey Kong 3 is the one that uh, can be played as like a versus mode game. Oh, yeah. Where Stanley's on one side shooting um, like bug gas and Donkey Kong's on the other side and you're trying to like move mosquitoes over to your yeah, opponent's side. Yeah, it's like tug of war, basically. I for some, yeah. for some reason, I find it to be beautiful that uh, you excel at donkey kong 3 because i feel like that this is a donkey kong 3 is something that we talk about yeah. a lot i was gonna say love yeah. and i don't even think that's true but it's something we talk about a lot it's something we love conceptually <laughs> i'm comfortable saying that uh so uh, i've also been spending a lot of time with the castlevania advanced collection which i i picked up after that nintendo direct um and these are all games the uh the game boy advanced um, Castlevania games are all games that I'd never played before. Um, I, I know them by reputation. Um, and uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to like dig in. I'm going to start at the beginning. I started playing Circle of the Moon. I love it. Um, it's so super good. Right now I'm stuck on a boss called the Zombie Dragon. Um, but it's, it's two zombie dragons that you fight at once. Um, and I feel like I'm maybe under leveled at this point. Um, but the game is great, and I know that it is not uh, the the best of the bunch. Um, that uh, what 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 is what is uh, like I, the consensus I, on? on I these think games? they're I think they're all good. Um, Aria of Sorrow, the third one. Mm. I I don't know if it's the consensus, but my f opinion is that it's the best one, and I'm very excited for you to get to it if you're enjoying Circle of the Moon. I'm really enjoying Circle of the Moon. It took me a little bit. There's there's a. Uh, a system in the game where you collect cards um, and they are um, 
you know, like one, one, there are like two different rows of cards and one row is like, uh, determines what the magical effect is. And the other row is like where that effect is located. So like, uh, you can match up, there's like a fire, a fire ability and you match that with like fire and attack. And then your attacks are fire related, but there can be like fire and shield and then you'll have like little fireballs like flying around you to protect you um and it's been super fun and cool to like uh mix and match those things and uh until you use them it doesn't tell you what it's going to do they're just like little question marks um so it's been fun to discover those even though like i could look up i'm sure a chart and know exactly you know what i should be using where um but it genuinely feels like um, there's a lot of room for experimentation in an otherwise like kind of straightforward uh, Metroidvania platform action game. Yeah, I, I I picked up the advanced collection. I haven't started playing it yet, but oh man, and I in theory I'm so excited to get back into these games. Like uh, it's been it's been so long. I have not played them since you know I played them on the Game Boy Advance, and so I'm I'm really excited that they're out on modern platform. Uh, it's it feels very cool to be playing so much Game Boy Advance stuff right now. Like, I it's just like the 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 era we're living in, where it's just like, oh yeah, Game Boy Advance is like cool again, and uh, the game. Well, I don't know, cool again, Game and Watch Gallery. That's just that's just us, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and then I've also been playing Tetris 99 um, this weekend. Sarah picked it up uh, and was plugging away at it for a while. And I was like, oh, yeah, Tetris is a great game. Um, and then I played a couple rounds on uh, Sunday morning and was just having a great time. Uh, Tetris 99 uh, uh, continues to be a banger and a classic. Uh, almost a perfect game. My game of the year every year. <laughs> um, all right. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. <laughs> Today, Tuesday, October 5th, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania is released for Switch, and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is also released on Switch. Uh, presumably on the day that uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is completed, right? Yeah, presumably. Um, I, I have never really played very much Super Monkey Ball, never been able to get into the series. I've always, like dabbled with it i had the game i had like i think a collection on the gamecube but um uh something about it just never really like clicked for me yeah i mean i i know that the 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 first couple games are like really well um regarded but i've 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 never actually touched one so i'm, I'm not even really sure if i would click with it i just wonder if this is another like sonic the hedgehog situation another sega franchise where mm. you know like I always thought, oh, maybe it's not for me. And then when I actually sat down and played, actually it was Sonic Mania, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I'm super into this. And I wonder if the same sort of thing would happen with Super Monkey Ball. But I don't know that we are necessarily going to ever find out because on Friday, there is a game yes. that is for sure going to be taking up my time. I am so excited that we are here. Listeners, October 8th, Metroid Dread is released into the world. A, a phrase I wasn't sure I would ever be able to say, but we made it, folks. I'm so very excited about Metroid Dread. Also coming out with it, of course, are the Samus and Emi Amiibo um, and the Switch OLED edition or OLED version or OLED model, whatever it's called. Um, all releases on the same day. Um, yeah, I, I sort of can't believe it. Like, 
Uh, I spend uh, so much idle time thinking about like, oh man, what if there was a new Metroid game? And there is. Yeah, I I don't really know what to do with myself. Like, I I think I'm not going to read reviews. I think I'm basically like on blackout for this game. I, I kind of yeah. just want to go into it, have my own experience with it, and then kind of see what the discourse is. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Uh, and I'm sure we will be talking about it on this show. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. Like, I've been mostly blackout uh, for like the pre-release cycle um, to the point where I was even a little bit bummed to see it in the Nintendo Direct the other week because I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to see anymore. You told me Metroid Dread, I'm there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to uh, digging into this game. I have uh, the. Uh, collector's edition pre-ordered which means uh that gamestop is going to be shipping it to me this week i hope there is no complication with that oh, and man, that i yeah. get it on friday if i don't have it on on friday i'm gonna start to get like itchy about it right like <laughs> that would be hard that would be hard. that would be it's good it, it, it'll be super hard yeah um but that's a slick collector's edition so yeah worth it looks it. so good i today it was a little bit um uh, rainy in LA, kind of like surprise rain, surprise lightning and thunder. We don't normally get that. And yeah, very cool. I don't think that it's going to be this way on Friday, but I wish that like Metroid Dread had been released because oh, yeah. it, it, it's perfect Metroid weather. Oh yeah, dark and stormy night. Are you joking? Of yeah. course. <laughs> One, the other thing that I want to mention is being released on Friday, and you know, uh, we love a, a good Tetris on this game on this show, and Tetris Effect Connected is released on the Switch eShop. Patrick, this is the one. Remind me that you played in PSVR. Is that right? Yeah. I, well, yes. Not not the connected version, but Tetris Effect. Yes. Um, t- uh, Tetris Effect Connected is the sort of like uh, you know, uh, I, I, uh, the like special edition version yeah. of it, or like the the complete. It's got more um, like sort of multiplayer options and stuff like that, which I guess is uh, you know the thing that would make it like distinct from like the VR experience. Tetris Effect is beautiful. Um, it is a like truly uh, like stunning meditative like drill into the core of your brain, and like you know it's uh, the 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 end of the game is like a, a spiritual journey that you go on. Um, when I've played this game in VR, um, it makes me cry. Like it's, it is like a legit moving, wonderful experience of just like playing Tetris set to like music and beats that respond, uh, dynamically to how you are dropping the pieces. Um, and the backgrounds like kind of change and evolve. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what it is about like the, the speeds, uh, of the game, but like it ratchets up and relaxes, um, at a pace that feels like very intentional to like hijack your brain. Right. Um, like it's leading you on a guided meditation through Tetris and it's beautiful. Like I, I, I really cannot sing the game's praises highly enough. Metroid dread is incredible. Um, but Tetris effect is uh, like a religious experience. Well, I am, you know, I'm, I am thinking I'm going to pick it up. I am not necessarily knowing when I'll have a chance to really dig into it but it's something that i've been interested in since you played it on psvr i do wonder do you think that something is lost or will be lost not playing it in vr yes but it's not because i've also played it not in vr oh okay. um, on, on 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 the playstation 4 um that you know you can just 
switch between VR mode and not. Um, and either way, uh, it is an engrossing experience. I, I would think that being able to play it in handheld um, may also like have some uh, sort of extra special quality to it. Um, but never play it on silent. Like mm. uh, always, uh, like headphones or volume up as loud as you can. Like you are, you should experience the the auditory uh, output that it's giving you, and don't resist it because there are <laughs> some of the songs like are and the pieces of music are a little bit cheesy and a little like new agey. Um, but like uh, it all is done purposefully and is beautiful when you let it happen to you. Man, it's uh, it seems like it's gonna be a good week for games. I'm excited. Hey, we're in October, which of course is Game and Watch Month, but it is also the month that we know that Nintendo is just like letting everything fly, right? Like we're getting that Mario Party game, we're getting uh, uh, the uh, Nintendo sixty four stuff. Like it's 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 all happening. Okay, uh, let's close out the new releases. <laughs> Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we are talking about TV shows we think we'd be good on. Um, and this sort of inspired by, uh, uh, you asking what, um, reality shows, uh, we, we think we would be good on. Um, so I want to, I want to start there, um, because I think there are a lot of reality shows that I would be bad on, uh, like anything where I need to survive <laughs> or, or eat something gross or, uh, cook or bake something. I would be bad at those. I think eating something gross I could, I think I could do as long as that thing, that thing is, that's gross is not spiders. I think if I had to, (laughs) I think if I had to eat spiders, I would not be able to do that. But I think, I think anything else, I, I think I would do okay at what, um, I, I agree with you though. Like I would be awful at like survivor or something like that. Just or like alone. Come oh, on. Oh yeah. No way. No way at all. Do you know what I think I could be good at is supermarket sweep. I think I'd be pretty good at sure. supermarket sweep. Do you think you would be better at supermarket sweep or Price is Right? Oh, for sure, supermarket sweep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I um Price is Right. I I don't think I don't think I'd be very good at the prices. I don't think if I got to the um, like bidding part of prices, right? Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. where I would lose. Like I would not make it onto the actual game. Yeah, I think I think I probably would too. I mean, honestly, I don't know where they like. I've lived in Los Angeles now for too long, right? Where like if someone is going to show me prices of something, my mind is going to try to do math of like, well, where am I? Right? Like <laughs> well, a box of cereal, yeah, what does it cost? <laughs> what does it cost at a grocery store in Los Feliz versus what does it cost in my hometown, uh, you know, in Wisconsin? Like that that that's like a 100% difference in price. Yes, completely. Bless you, Mark. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hopefully the the mic picked that up cuz that was a good one. Yeah, that was that was a powerful sneeze. Uh, not um, not to get a sidetrack, Patrick. Are you a yes. uh, like a, a micro sneezer? Because I feel like there are two types of people in the world. There are people who 
Uh, mm. they It's like one big sneeze, but they're one and done. And then there's micro sneezers where it's like five like itty bitty sneezes that right. and then they're finished. Uh, no, I would say, if anything, I am a macro sneezer. <laughs> um, I, I inherited my father's sneeze, which I growing up I always thought was performative because the, his sneeze goes like this. I'm about to perform it for okay. you, okay? It goes... <laughs> Like that, the whole thing, that rhythm, um, and I don't do exactly that, but I have that. You've heard me sneeze. That I have like a, a full. It's like articulated and loud. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, your I uh, I. Uh, it's like your father's sneeze, but your own twist on it. You're like uh, yeah. Mutt from uh, Indiana Jones, four Temple. To I mean, that's what that, that's what I always aspire to be. <laughs> yes, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Um, sometimes I think I would be good, especially if I like just made myself study for it uh, on Jeopardy, um, because I, I and this is a classic case of like you know someone who watches uh, who's like a, a big fan of the NBA and is like I could do that, <laughs> uh, but like I watch a ton of Jeopardy, I love it a lot. Um, I think I understand like the strategy of like how to play the game well. Um, and uh, when I'm like actively trying to play along with it, I do pretty well. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'd be good at Jeopardy. Have you ever tried like taking the quiz to no? You know, of start course the not. Process? What if I? <laughs> what if I'm no good at it? <laughs> I think I think I uh, most weeks or most like eight days I would be absolutely awful at Jeopardy. But sometimes there are a few people, you know, like they get a group together. There's three of them. And you're like, with this group, I think I could I could hang. I think I could sure. do. I, right. think, I think if I got with the right group that I could, yeah. uh, I, I could succeed. If there are a bunch of dummies up there. <laughs> what, uh, do, you, do you ever. Your words. Um, yeah, I did. Um, do you ever. Uh, Sarah and I watch Jeopardy a lot, and then Wheel of Fortune just starts after it. Um, and we mute the TV when uh, Jeopardy is over, and then we end up like watching half of the episode of Wheel of Fortune on mute. And I believe that's the way the show is meant to be watched. <laughs> it, I, um, it just like it was. Re- I, I do watch, or I don't right now watch Wheel of Fortune. But when I first moved to LA, like I didn't know anybody, so I would come home from work and I would watch Jeopardy. And watch Wheel of Fortune, and then I would go to the gym. And uh, so, you know, like uh, Pat, Jason, Jack, and Vanna White have seen me through a lot of tough times. So nothing for love, nothing but love for that group. But it's wild to me that they've been doing that since I was a child. And seemingly, you know, it just like it was weird when um, the Jeopardy hosts changed or continue to change, as the case yes. may be. Um, I think it'll be weird when Wheel of Fortune, like, I don't know what will happen. When were you paying attention when uh, Pat Sajak had like surgery and Vanna White hosted for yes, a while? Yes, and she just like uh, slid in like the professional that she is, and was just mm-hmm. like, "I can do this!" Like she knocked it out of the park. Because of course she can. She's done it every day for like her entire life. Mark, we are way past the applause at this point, so I'm cutting it off. That's the end of this. We were accompanied today by the CWU Viola Ensemble. Let's get into the news. <laughs> Okay, we want to acknowledge, before we get into this, that this morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time, the final Sakurai Presents happened. Um, so presumably at this point, we are living in a world where we know who the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate final DLC character is. 
We're all extremely happy about it. It's, yep. it's the perfect choice that somehow everybody agrees um, is the fitting final character. And so we, of course, will talk about this more next week. But as of this recording, we don't know. Patrick, do we even want to try to venture any final guesses that will be immediately moot because most people will have know the answer before they listen to this episode? Nah, I, you know... I, I'm actually very happy with the um, state of the like Nintendo or like Smash fan community right now because like I don't know I, I feel like in in the lead up to every other um, character reveal there is some kind of leak or like some someone knows something that blah 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 I feel like it is a genuine crapshoot it could be anyone or anything um, and I will. Like you know what I mean? Like the there, there's no such thing as a surprise or shock here anymore. It's all just um uh like it's it's just destiny. Whatever it's gonna be, it's destiny, and uh, I, I'm excited to see that play out finally. Yeah, I I agree. There's something fun about it being like the final one, and I, I feel like not everybody, but I feel like to a, to some degree, there's a little bit of this like kumbaya state in the fan community right yeah. now just it's almost like you know uh um we know that an asteroid is going to smash into the planet and so everybody's just like all right we're just gonna have a good time and so i i feel like in the lead up to this final reveal that there's been a little bit of um uh everybody just kind of appreciating how amazing this run of dlc characters for super smash brothers ultimate has been yeah, on, on top of an also already amazing game. And just like that, uh, every step of the way, we've been guided by Masahiro Sakurai, um, who, you know, for whatever other complaints you could have about the uh, DLC or the rollout or the uh, cost or the existence of another Fire Emblem character or whatever, um, the fact that Sakurai has been there to uh, like usher it all in, to explain it all, and just be the most charming man in the universe. Um, it's just like it's nothing short of like uh, you know wholly remarkable. Um, I'll, I'll miss the like kind of spin up to getting new characters, but I'm gonna miss the Sakurai presents. I always watch these things, even though it's like 40 minutes explaining how uh, you know the dudes from Minecraft work. I'm like I'm never gonna play those guys, um, but the presentations are always wonderful. Um, so I'll miss those. I'm very excited to wake up uh, tomorrow morning and watch this presentation. And we will, of course, talk uh, more about the character reveal and all of that in next week's news episode. But for now, Patrick, let's turn our attention to these new rumors of a Metroid Prime remake. All right. Oh, oh okay, Mark. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that uh, popped up online the past week or so, um, just to give a little history behind it. So rumors have been around from way back in 2018 that Nintendo has a completed Metroid Prime Trilogy port for Switch and have just been sitting on it waiting for like the right time to release it. And this rumor gained a lot of steam before the Game Awards in 2018. Like there was, uh, I think around that time, uh, we may even didn't, we maybe even did an episode where we were predicting what would be shown at the Game Awards. And I think I said Metroid Prime Trilogy because there were people who were just like certain that it was going to happen. And of course, nothing ever ever came of that. But this idea is kind of like persisted in the atmosphere that the game is complete and just waiting for release. 
Right. And I mean, in addition to being like rumored, it is a much like requested uh, game, right? Like um, it, it it's sort of a, a too good to be true thing uh, that it came out in the first place on Wii, right? That that Metroid Prime trilogy was ever released as a single package with upgraded controls for the first two games and like widescreen presentations and all this other stuff like it was sort of a unicorn when it came out initially um, to have it like updated and patched for uh, like button controls on the switch is like another level of unicorn that everyone just uh, seemingly wants. Um, I still think it's not as easy as people seem to assume that, that, that it is to just put those game games on switch. Um, and we saw a little bit of that Um during or there was like a, a former um, retro developer that was in like a Facebook conversation about it um, saying like, oh, yeah, all, all of the Metroid Prime 3 stuff is specifically tuned to those motion controls. Um, so it would be tough to like change it over to more standard button input. Um, but people hold out hope and they want it anyway. And it would be cool to have access to those games again in some capacity. Yes. And I mean, yes, I well, and in some capacity is an interesting point, Patrick, because yeah. uh, recently, I think it was either earlier last week or maybe the end of the week before, occasional Nintendo leaker Emily Rogers commented that Retro is working on a remake of the original Metroid Prime game and that work on it is completed or nearing completion. So that so this was kind of like the new rumor was that Metroid Prime trilogy port for Switch never really existed never existed and this this remake of the original metroid prime game is what was being worked on and somehow you know through telephone um it, it became this idea that the metroid prime trilogy existed so others have corroborated this take and on uh Resetera, user belmont shared some information and so their info goes like this <laughs> Originally, Nintendo commissioned Retro for a full asset remake of Metroid Prime Trilogy. And it would be one-to-one -one remakes of the original games, just with modern art. At the same time, Nintendo was having issues with Bandai Namco's work on Metroid Prime 4, particularly the level design. So Nintendo mm. asked Retro to assist on the level design for Metroid Prime 4. Then, as things continued to devolve with Bandai Namco, and based on the strength of Retro's design work for for both the Metroid Prime remake and the level design work for Metroid Prime 4, Nintendo turned the whole Metroid Prime 4 project over to Retro. And when that was happening was around the same time that rumors of Metroid Prime trilogy being complete started popping up. So right around, you know, like October, November 2018. Because it was in January of 2019 that we learned that Metroid Prime 4 was getting rebooted under Retro. Oh, boy. Okay. So lo lots of points of data here. Yes. Yeah. So final point of data. Before Retro took over the whole of Metroid Prime 4, they were planning to remake the entire Metroid Prime trilogy. But since M Metroid Prime 4 became the priority, the plan was for them to finish the remake of the first game and then the other games would be contracted out using the work done on Metro Prime 1 as the, as like the standard for how it should work. Yeah. But unknown if that is still the plan or if this 
now rumored Metroid Prime remake is all we're going to get. I guess the point is like, is any of this true? Who knows, right? Yeah, who knows? But I, I, th- it, you know, it seems like what this user posted on Resetera like makes sense. But kind of like regardless, to me, if nothing else, it's a fascinating look into the game of telephone around like these leaks and rumors that we talk about on the show. Like it makes me really reevaluate the rumors from just a few weeks ago of Game Boy and Game Boy Color games coming to Switch, right? Yeah. Because you realize that it's like coming through like third-hand sources or like, you know, like really far down the chain. And so it's easy for, and then people I think are taking the scraps of information they have and making some like assumptions based on it. And so you just kind of end up with these completely wild takes that end up not like going anywhere necessarily. I don't know. I just found this whole thing fascinating. Yeah. Well, and like, it obviously is fascinating and that's why so many of the room, cause like, you know, th- there could be just as many uh, like rumors about, uh, you know, other studios remaking or, you know, releasing games in franchises um, that just don't have the same sort of uh, like rabid fan base that Nintendo does where like, we're just hungry for information. Right. Um, and Nintendo has the ability to do something crazy like, release metroid dread 15 years after like the code name goes dark right um so you know nothing nothing that you ever hear uh rumor wise about nintendo can be ruled out as like absolutely not happening right like anything can happen uh mario rabbids uh shared a game together like that was a thing that happened was a rumor and everyone was like no way that's stupid not gonna happen and then it did happen and it was great um so yeah i mean you're right this all goes back to a a a big um who knows uh and i'm excited to I, i wonder what like their um you know, obviously all the Metroid oxygen right now is being taken up by Metroid Dread. Um, but I wonder how, like, how much they let that continue to breathe before uh, starting to reveal more information about upcoming Metroid releases. Yeah, I wonder the same thing. I mean, I feel like um, they've committed to Metroid Prime 4. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, like we we get a Mario, we get at least a Mario thing every year. We get usually at least a Zelda thing every year. I I don't know if you know Metroid can handle that same like cadence, but I'd be interested in finding out. As you know, like a, a Metroid fan, I I would love right. to revisit a um like modern and updated version of Metroid Prime. Like yeah, if if they can do it in the way that the best remakes are, where like it is the game you remember instead of the game it actually was on the GameCube. Yep. Like yep. I would, I would absolutely adore that. Well, and dread is really the first opportunity for, um, I, I think really the, the first opportunity for a Metroid game to like succeed in a big way, like that it's positioned on the right platform at the right time, like for the right audience. Um, you know, the uh, uh, prime three and uh, other M both being on the Wii means that there was a huge install base, but it's sort of the wrong install base. And then other M, you know, in particular was like the wrong type of game. Um, But it seems like dread is the right type of game on the right platform with a huge enough install base. Um, I'm really curious to see like how, how successful is it? Like, does it sell millions of copies? Like what, what is going to be the fate of Metroid dread? Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious as well because 
in addition to being on the Switch, which is a very successful console that like games on it do well and have a lot of hype, you now have, and this wasn't true with other M, you now have like an entire generation of gamers who have who are really familiar with this Metroid formula because of indie games that were inspired by games like, yeah. you know, Super Metroid. And so it, it is much more of a thing now than I think it has ever been. Um yeah, and, and Nintendo is putting its like full force behind Metroid Dread. You know, like it is a really big deal. So I I'm I will be really interested to see how big it can go. Yeah, me too. Speaking of rumors, and last week Bloomberg reported that the much rumored Switch Pro was real, but that it got canceled due to, to the due to the global chip shortage. And so the Switch OLED model is kind of like a uh, um, r- like stopgap or like a runners up where they were like, okay, we can't we can't do the full thing, but we can d- change the form factor and do this all the other stuff. We're just not able to secure the chips we need to make it run in 4K or whatever. That's so weird because they obviously like need the chips to make the OLED version run too. Like, yeah, but maybe those are easier to acquire. Like, I don't really know. Or, or maybe it's part of like controlling the demand for it, right? But like it, they understand that if it's like a just an incremental upgrade, that the demand for it is less than if it's like a, a genuine uh, like sequel to the Switch. Yeah, me, the, yeah, totally. Like I would love to know what the real story is here, and I, I don't feel like because Bloomberg was so insistent for so long and they got yeah. so many of the details of the Switch OLED model correct, like dead on, except for the fact that it would be more powerful and be able to upscale to 4K. And so that was a big question mark when the Switch OLED was revealed. It's like, what exactly happened here? Because so right. much of it was dead on. So basically, that that's Bloomberg's, Bloomberg's take on it, is that it was real... It got canceled due to the global chip shortage, and reportedly the necessary components aren't going to be available until 2025. And so additionally, uh, Bloomberg has reported that at least 11 game companies are in possession of 4K-capable Switch development kits, which of course would let lead credit credence to the idea that there either was a more powerful Switch in development or there is a more powerful Switch forthcoming still. Uh, an interesting wrinkle is that m- most of the 11 companies are not named, but they're said to mm. be both, quote, large publishers and, quote, small studios. But there was one company that was specifically named, and that's Zynga, who has never actually made a console game before. Um, per Bloomberg. We- weird detail. <laughs> it, there's just, like, there's so much going on. It, it just raises more questions than it answers. Uh, the last kind of bit of Bloomberg's report is that it being whatever this updated console is would not be expected to release until late next year at the earliest, which kind of seems like self-evident at this point. Right. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a real duh, right? Like if, if they're putting out the OLED model now, it, yeah, at least a year before there's uh, another model on the market. Um, but also, I mean... That that note about uh, the necessary components won't be available until 2025. I mean, that's that is uh, some grim prognostication, <laughs> but I believe it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I believe it too. But at that point, you're looking at like whatever the Switch successor is, right? Like you're not looking right. at an updated model. 
Um, but all of this Bloomberg reporting uh, got strong pushback from Nintendo to the point where they uh, released a statement calling it false. And it reads in part, quote, to ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers, we want to clarify that this report is not true. We also want to restate that as we announced in July, we have no plans for any new model other than the Nintendo Switch OLED model, which will launch on October 8th, 2021. Also, Zynga released a statement denying that they have 4K, that they have a 4K kit from Nintendo as well. The Verge noted, quote, Zynga spokesperson Sarah Ross also denied the report, saying in a statement to Bloomberg and Kotaku, quote, to clarify, Zynga does not have a 4K developer kit from Nintendo, end quote. Zynga was the only developer named out of the 11 companies that Bloomberg reported receiving a 4K Switch development kit. When we asked Zynga, meaning The Verge asked Zynga, I, uh, whether Zynga ever had a 4K Switch development kit in the past, the company told us, we have not received 4K developer kits from Nintendo. So, either all of this is true and people have strong NDAs, or it's false and it's more of that like wishful thinking uh and like putting together the pieces uh that are were always just leading to an an OLED model of switch right and it, it's just it's so there's just so many everything about the OLED uh, the switch OLED model like the lead up to it and then the reveal and now the aftermath is such a mess i think you're totally right that it's like a metroid prime trilogy situation where um <laughs> who knows i don't know maybe bloomberg bloomberg might be 100 percent correct and nintendo might be just like very carefully crafting statements but it seems like a pretty categorical denial and zanga's denial that they ever received 4k developer kits from nintendo like um yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't i don't really know what to make of all of it it just seems like yeah. a mess i mean i i don't know i the the whole uh like chip shortage and like supply line constraints thing uh, is obviously changing like a, a lot of plans and affecting a lot of uh, availability for um, hardware, especially among like new video game consoles. So like, I, 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 I do believe that uh, Nintendo probably went in to 2020 with higher hopes for um, their hardware and probably software lines um, than they were able to deliver on. Um, and, you know, like, who knows how, how far how far out, like, Nintendo was forecasting what they were going to be able to do and then had to make, like, big changes as the world, you know, shifted over, like, two years um, and that we're still in that shift, you know? So, yeah. yeah that, I, that's a really good point. And you could see how it would be fairly easy or i shouldn't say easy that if you're looking right like if you were planning for this new model let's say that it was like this we'll just call it a pro model for simplicity's sake to come out in 2021 but then 2020 happens and the supply chain gets messed up but you cannot stock enough switch to go around like you have like an yeah. amazing year it could be easier than to you know make that shift where it's like okay well maybe we don't actually need this you know like ultra powerful model because the switch seems to have enough you know like juice in it as it is plus they had secured all of these like large uh samsung screens right. too right like that that was something that like nintendo was like 
you know, making money on the buy at this point um, and buying them for super cheap because there wasn't enough demand for them in, in other devices. Um, and they were like, well, we have, we have to release something because we've, that, that's a sunk cost. We bought all these screens and we can't just like quietly put out switches with bigger screens. They have to call it something. Um, and honestly, like the OLED is a pretty quiet release as far as Nintendo uh, hardware upgrades go. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 all perfectly understandable and confusing as hell at the same time. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. And it's like we will never actually know what the truth never of the know. situation is. Yeah. Dragon Quest X offline was revealed during a Dragon Quest anniversary stream earlier this year, but it wasn't clear exactly when the game would be released. At uh, Tokyo Game Show on Monday, Square Enix announced that the game would be coming out in Japan on February twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. Um. Another early 2022 release uh, of like a huge, awesome, uh, like really cool looking game. Obviously, we're not getting it uh, here, um, but man, I, ju I just I, I know there's probably not even a market for it or whatever, because the original MMO uh, version of Dragon Quest X never came out here. But man, I, I would like to play that game. I would like to play that game. I think especially like offline, I in my dream they will they would release it here i think at this point there's just too much text like i don't think they want to do the yeah. localization for as like niche as dragon quest is in the u.s yeah i mean i know like 11 did pretty well um but probably not on the same scale as to justify uh translating 10 uh but speaking of cool things that so far are only coming to japan super nintendo world at universal studios japan uh, still the only Super Nintendo world in the in the universe, um, but we are getting one in, in Hollywood, but we don't know when that's going to open. But even though they uh, have the only Super Nintendo world, they're really rubbing it in our faces because they announced that Universal Studios Japan will be getting a Donkey Kong expansion, which is planned Ugh. to be open in 2024, which honestly, by that time, who knows if the one in Holly, if the Super Nintendo world in Hollywood will even be open at that oh point. Oh my God. I hope so. <laughs> 2024 we, is so long from now, Mark. All we know so far is that uh, this new land will include a Donkey Kong themed roller coaster attraction and places to shop and eat. Patrick, the uh, uh, Universal had filed some patents for a roller coaster that... Um, I think is probably what we're what is coming here and has the potential to be very cool. It's like a minecart themed roller coaster, but essentially there is a false track that uh, guests can see, but then underneath that is a is like the real track. And so by using that, they can make it seem like you are jumping over gaps because um, which is really cool. Yeah, like I I think the potential here is amazing. I the rumor. The rumor is that there is space at Universal Studios Hollywood that they are reserving for the Donkey Kong roller coaster in the future. Um, and I would love that to be true. But uh, Universal Studios Hollywood is very small. So I'm not entirely sure yeah. how they would make that work. It's very small and very strangely situated, right? Like half the park is uh, like down a mountainside. You have to take this enormous escalator to get from the top to the bottom. Um, it's like its own ride in and of itself. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm a little I'm a little worried by the language roller coaster attraction and not roller coaster. I understand this is the way Universal does a lot of their rides, where it's like you're on a little track and you're like moving around, and there's some like 
screens or you know some AR or something. Um, I would much prefer just like a straight up roller coaster. I would always rather it just be a roller coaster than a roller coaster attraction. But who am I kidding? Like if, if this is a minecart ride from Donkey Kong, like I'm all the way in. I, I also think we might just be experiencing a um a great moment in copywriting where roller coaster mm. attraction might just mean roller coaster. I don't know, man. I to me this reads like you know the flight of the hippogriff. Like this was <laughs> what we're getting is a roller coaster like attraction. Yeah, could be totally could be. Um, finally, while not the Game Boy classic, uh, Boy and His Blob Rescue of Princess Blobette, a game that is near and dear to my heart, a different a Boy and His Blob game is getting ported over to Switch. The 2009 reimagining of the original game. Um, that was developed by WayForward and released on the Wii. The new port is being published by Ziggurat and Interactive, and it's supposed to come out before the end of the year, which is really suit. Patrick, is do you know, is this the one where it has the hug button? Uh, I believe this one does have the hug button, yes. Um, yeah, this is this is the one that uh, that that came out on Wii, which itself was, you know, a, as Mark said, a like reimagining of the original game that came out on nes and maybe like computer platforms or like some other stuff um did did you play this one mark i know you are a uh, rescue of princess blobette fan no i didn't play it but i i remember the discussion around it just because it was um you know like press a to hug sounds cute yeah, well, and it's it's got that very way forward, um, like hand drawn um, animation style to it, um, which is just like even now you don't really see games like taking on that aesthetic. Um, so yeah, this will be one that'll be super exciting to check out uh, when it comes out. I guess this year, maybe it comes out in October, like every other game. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page if Facebook still exists. Is Facebook back now? Facebook is back, baby. Facebook is back, okay. Uh, the page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it, because it's real, and it has a name. One Million Musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire.